Hello F1 fans and welcome to F1 On and Off the Track with Kim Elman. You can see his photos at ProStarPicks.com, subscribe to his YouTube channel or follow him on Instagram at Kim Elman. My name is Adrian and in this episode we're talking about the upcoming Mexico GP. Buenos dias. That's Spanish. Well, uh, but that's what they speak there. Okay. And how do you find Mexico? Well, I just get on a plane and get off and it's there. It's all there in front of me. It's quite fantastic. It's a lovely place. The people are great. But the hotels are crazy expensive for a country that uh, where the locals live so cheaply. My God, they don't miss getting into us. I tell you, it's it's big money. It's some of the most expensive hotels we stay at all year. Are you staying close to the track or a bit further no, away? No, you don't stay close to the track. Uh, there's a media hotel out that way, but there's not much around it. So we tend to go a little bit further, probably another 25 minutes, and go back to the city where there's plenty to do at night and uh, on a day off if we've got one pre- or post-race. And how is the trip? Surely it's a bit of a longer one. It's five hours to Sydney, and then there's an overnighter, and then there's 17 hours nonstop to Dallas, Oof. and then there's maybe three and a half hours or one and a half hours, depending if I'm lucky enough to get the quick connection, and then there's two hours 20 to Mexico, and there's probably an hour sitting in traffic to get to the hotel. Um, and then, of course, there's the horror time difference, mm. which is um, always a killer, because last race was Japan, it was an hour, it's not it's negligible, nothing. Yeah. But uh, it won't be the case this time, so sleeping tablets might be the order of the <laughs> night uh, for uh, some sweet dreams. Yeah, no time for uh, that jet lag. No, uh, my jet lag's always worse coming back than it is going there. I tend to be able to land on the Wednesday and work straight away on the fr- uh, Thursday, but coming back, it's a couple of days. So how's the weather here? In Perth, it's fantastic. I'm leaving the most <laughs> glorious conditions to go to six or seven days of rain. Okay. Although I did have a look again this morning and they've at least got rid of the uh, the thunder uh, bolt symbol from uh, below the uh, clouds. But I, I think it will be fine. They're, um, we've only had a couple of wet days this year and we've been pretty lucky. Uh, although I don't mind the wet. I remember... And the reason I remember the wet days is because the photos are so different. So Mm. the race day in Hockenheim was fantastic. And I I still remember that great shot I got of Daniel Ricciardo coming onto the grid. It's my single biggest selling picture of all time. Mm. And it just continues to sell every week. Just comes in five, six, ten orders. And uh, I think, yeah, I'm glad I got that shot. I'm just looking out for another wet day. And maybe this is it to capture those cars coming onto the grid with the wet weather tyres and the the water spraying up because people just don't understand how the hell can you get that photo. You're obviously using a wider angle lens than some Monster 600. And you can see the cars coming towards you. You're standing on the track. How is that possible? So, um, yeah, the, the trick is it's not when the race is on, despite the fact that there are often two or three cars in the shot. It's not when the race is on, it's when the cars are coming around to the back of the grid and they stop and they get put up onto the wheeled trolleys and the mechanics wheel the driver and the car down to its parking spot and the driver gets out and um, uh, they do a whole lot of stuff with computers and the driver nips off for a wee. You've just come from Japan where the fans are super enthusiastic. How do they stack up in Mexico? Uh, they don't have the zaniness. I don't think of the outfits and the manga and the anime sort of stuff that you have there. But they're certainly enthusiastic and, and big crowds all the way around. And I was reading Pierre Gasly's uh, Instagram post this morning where he was talking about last year. He was in the car behind Sergio Perez as they went around and did the driver's parade. And he said he's never heard noise like it, especially when you come into the stadium. And and that's a pretty special place because that's that's a baseball stadium normally and I saw some pictures the other day with grass on it where they play baseball and then come Grand Prix time they rip up all the grass and they put a road through there Jeez. and they fit 
I don't know, 30, 40, 50,000 people in this grandstand. And it is really spectacular. And we're allowed to go up the grandstand and shoot because a lot of places we, uh, we're not allowed, um, not allowed to access to any of those high vantage points. And this time I'm taking a tilt-shift lens. And anybody who knows a bit about photography mm. will know that a tilt-shift lens allows you to do some interesting shots where it almost – the resultant picture looks like you're taking a picture of uh, kids' toys. And yeah. Things. Yeah, so hopefully – Hopefully I've managed to nab a couple of those. It's a tricky lens to use, and I must admit I, uh, I struggle with it because it's all manual focus and you have to set the focal plane. I had a crack at it last race with some of the cars on the grid, and uh, I had a particular shot in mind, and I got close to it, but I really needed a high vantage point. And with a grandstand, you can go right up the back. You can get as high as you want. Yeah, I look forward to those. Tilt shift photos always look fabulous. Yes, especially when you get something like a train station and a very good photographer. That's a great recipe for a marvellous photo. So where is the track located and what's the track itself like? Yeah, it's um, probably about 35, 40-minute drive out of town. Uh, Autodromo Hermano. I can't remember what it's called. Uh, yeah, it's just in a, a suburb. Uh, we're lucky because... What we tend to do, what I tend to do, and I think most of the um, guys would do this if they don't have a rental car, they will get a taxi to the media hotel and they'll get on the media shuttle. And you sit on the shuttle and it takes you right to the front door of the media centre. So you, you don't have to, well, the paddock anyway, which is um, very close to the media centre. So you don't have to worry about parking. You just drive straight in uh, at that hotel with, with your taxi and get on the media shuttle. What's the traffic situation like in Mexico City? Yeah, shocking. Not as bad as Sao Paulo. But, uh, yeah, you've you got to expect some, some delays and it's just a part of Mexico City. But food's good and the people are nice and the nightlife's fantastic. And especially where most people stay, which is in Palenco, it's just full of F1 people. So people you see at the track, you end mm. up seeing out at night when you're going out for a dinner. Are there any notable shots or backgrounds on this track? Yeah, um, a lot of stuff involving the stadium. Two years ago, they had these lovely streamers that went between uh, one grandstand and the other, uh, above where the cars pass underneath, and they were really good to shoot with and through. Um, But last year, they took them away for some reason. I'm hoping they bring them back again. But yes, we can certainly get down low and and shoot the cars. Oh, there is my favourite shot, Mm -hmm. which uh, I stumbled upon upon two years ago when I was walking uh, through the crowd in the grandstand. And I thought, oh, if I stand up here on this table where people eat their hot dogs, (laughs) I can get a high vantage point. I can have crowd in the foreground, probably seven or eight rows of people in the foreground. Then you've got the wire fence and then you've got the car. And it's a beautiful shot because mm. you don't often get crowd in the foreground of a shot. And if you use a slow shutter speed, the fence becomes invisible and you just get lovely shots of the car in the right light. You pick the right session to go out and do it. But, yeah, I'll be doing that again because I know it's a nice photo and I'm confident that I can nail it. And that's often a big thing because uh, oftentimes I'll uh, head around the track and I'll go, oh, I'll try this for 10 minutes. And I'll think, what have I wasted my time doing there? So really um, – Look, the, the really good photographers know know their shots in advance and they'll say, right, I've got three shots I have to get here, mm-hmm. three different spots in an hour and a half session. They'll you know, devote probably 30 minutes to each and they'll come back with a number of shots uh, in three different spots, a number of cars in three different spots. So the track does wind its way through a baseball stadium, apart from obviously the higher vantage point on the grandstand. Mm-hmm. What other kinds of shots can you get there that you might not be able to get elsewhere? 
Uh, there's a, a few photography windows where you can um, shoot through those and get the crowd in the background and the full baseball stadium in the background if you use a wide lens. Uh, you can go both sides of the stand, but if you go one side, I remember, it's quite a hike to get there and you really have to leave a long way. But certainly if you go to the easy side, you just walk out of the paddock and it's, it's maybe three minutes walk and you bang in a great spot to shoot. And especially come Saturday when I don't like to go too far from the track for qualifying, that's the place I go. So when, when I think about the weekend, where will I shoot? I, I always know that I'll end up there on Saturday for the Q1 and Q2 sessions and then Q3 I'll walk back and catch drivers coming out of the FIA garage. But I tend not to go to places uh, on the Friday if I know that I'm going back to shoot them on the Saturday. So I'll tend to go further uh, away from the media centre on a Friday. And uh, we're lucky that there's golf carts that run down that main straight on the outside. And there are a few shots uh, on the exit of one, two, three is nice. They come quite close to us. And um, I think I shot the start. Yeah, I did last year. I shot the start from the inside of turn two. What is the paddock and pit area like here? Oh, lovely paddock. It's quite spacious and they've got nice hospitality suites. The media centre is great because it's like Japan. It's almost smack bang in the middle of the paddock and you don't have a long walk to get to or from it. But the shot I love, and I don't think we have this at any other track, is the early morning light uh, with the drivers coming in because they all tend to come in one gate and when they walk in, they have this beautiful golden sun behind them. And I guess it's golden because there's probably quite a bit of pollution in the air, so it tends to diffuse, diffuse the light. And that's behind them. So um, you can make something of that quite nice. And I took some lovely pictures last year. So your first drivers that come in, they're great. But of course, the ones that come in closer to the start of FP1, um, they're probably coming in in a lot brighter, whiter light, not as nice as the earlier drivers. F1 On and Off the Track is presented by ProStarPix.com. Stunning F1 photos live from the track, searchable and downloadable for personal or editorial use. Head to ProStarPicks.com at the end of this podcast. How does the podium celebration differ from every other track? Right, well, almost, and I'm trying to think, uh, I don't think there's another podium like this. Every podium is situated in pit lane and normally uh, at one end of it. Mm -hmm. But this one is actually in the stadium area. So it's, I'm thinking, 70 to 100 metres away from where you would normally expect it and in a completely different area. When Lewis won last year, he parked his car. Yeah, he parked his car up uh, facing the media and he did all his – this was in the, the, the area of the stadium and then he gets out and he runs around and, um, and we get some beautiful photos and then they walk probably 30 or 40 metres up into a, an area that is corporate areas either side and this podium actually faces the baseball grandstand. So if you've got a, a ticket in the stadium, you've got a ticket right in front of the podium, albeit you're going to be quite a long way from it. Uh, they set up a, a nice area for us to photograph, a, a platform, um, which is probably about 50 metres away from it. And the beauty of that is you can probably get 100 photographers on there, which is more than enough for, mm. for what we want. Whereas sometimes in pit lane, they might have no podi a podium grandstand for us. So you've got to shoot from ground level. And at the very best, you might be able to fit 30 photographers on there. So it's, it's a good option for us. And then the drivers have to walk back to the garage, which is a bit of a hike thereafter. Uh, I remember two years ago when Lewis 
One, he took off with the British flag and he ran out of the stadium underneath where those banners were, ran right around the the right-hand corner, which is the last corner coming onto the straight, and ran back to the garage along the pit pit lane. So he's got a bit of a hike from finishing up and then getting back to his garage. Are there a lot of people then if it is the stadium? Oh, it's huge because all the punters just get onto the track. And um, it's this party atmosphere. Last year they had Armin van Buren playing dance music afterwards, and it's thumping, absolutely thumping. I remember Heineken sponsored it. My gosh, they got great value out of that. Their logos were huge. (laughs) They've got a big screen behind all this, and uh, once they have the podium presentation, the DJ is revealed by a a rotating stage, and it's quite a a theatrical production. It's Mm. unlike – is it unlike – I don't think there's any – maybe there's another one that had a DJ. Yeah, it was uh, in Italy. At Monza, they had a DJ, but certainly that's a rarity. And this music is quite magnificent, and, and the, the Mexican crowd love it. What was the significance of Lap 19 last year? It was last year or the year before uh, when the earthquakes happened um, on Lap 19, which was the date the event occurred. The earthquake happened on, must have been September 19. Everybody had to stand and put their right hand in the air with a fist because that was a symbol uh, during the earthquake rescues when they wanted everyone to be quiet because they thought they might have heard someone um, still alive under underground, everyone would stop, they'd put their hands in the air and, and shut up. Mm. And that's what happened on lap 19. And I got the most beautiful photo. I was in the right spot. It was a huge grandstand in front of me, completely open, so it was beautifully lit. And I've got this shot taken with a long lens of, oh, there must be 5,000 people. And almost to a man everyone holding their fist in the air and it's a really poignant moment. I was just very lucky that I happened to look up at the screen and I looked it up and I thought, how far are we in the race 19? Oh, yeah, we got this thing. I look around, yep, it all happened. And, of course, lap 19 at Spa this year, everybody stood and clapped for Antoine Hubert who Mm. passed away the previous day and uh, the significance of the 19th lap there was he was number 19. So that's two events that I've been part of which were very moving and I got to capture both. Will Lewis claim the world title this race? Oh, you've got as much idea as I have. I think he's got a pretty good chance. If he beats Valtteri by, I think, I think it was 14 points, he will claim the title. But if Valtteri beats him mm. and Lewis, say, fails to finish, well then, and Valtteri gets fastest lap, well, there's 26 points he's made up on Lewis. And it becomes a very interesting case, although I don't think he'd crash out. In fact, I've very rarely seen Lewis Hamilton not finish. He didn't finish in Austria last year, and I can't remember another one that he didn't finish. So he's pretty darn reliable. You look at the other drivers, and there's plenty who don't finish. Last year, the race coincided with Day of the Dead celebrations. Do you have any memorable moments from that last year? Yeah, I was uh, talking to my wife about this because they've moved the race forward and hence they don't have that uh, Day of the Dead. Um, Well, I don't think they'll have it this year. I imagine it's um, probably a week away, so it'd be a bit odd to have it. But Mm. uh, yeah, they did some great things with um, the on-track entertainment was all ghoulish stuff. Look, I don't fully understand the Day of the Dead, but certainly the Mexicans embrace it like nobody else. And they had some beautiful creatures that were made and they were under glass in the paddock 
and they were gargoyly things, beautifully handmade and hand-painted. And I remember going on the Sunday night to dinner in my hotel, and some guy had just come from an auction where he'd paid many thousand, and I'm talking tens of thousand dollars for one of these things, and each driver signed it, and each driver had their own particular gargoyly Day of the Dead thing. And this guy had nabbed someone's and was quite impressed that he nabbed it. Were there any fans who dressed up with a crossover of F1 and Day of the Dead? I don't remember too much about that. I'd have to go back and look at my pictures. But um, look, nothing stands out. Although I did have this great mascot that wanders around the paddock and yes. he's got a skull face mm. on and he's got a big cigar in his hands and his hands are, look like they're bones from a skeleton. It's a pretty ornate get-up and I imagine that was one of the big draw cards. They, they used that in their marketing, I'm sure. Certainly post-race, he was everywhere and um, very popular in the paddock. Last year, Charles was ambushed by the top brass in Ferrari. He was, and I was so thankful that I'd, I'd seen him setting up to do an interview with some network, and because Charles was driving for Alpha, he was down the far end of the pit lane, and nobody goes down there. Everyone stays up around Ferrari, Mercedes, and Red Bull. Mm. So I had all this um, area to myself, and I saw him setting up for this interview, so I'm, I stand next to the camera, and I start taking some shots, and then I see in the background Maurizio Arifa Bene and Gino Rosato from Ferrari come up and they get close to him and they look at each other and Charles has no idea they're there. And then one gets one ear and the other one gets the other ear from behind and they twist it and they twist it even more and then they've got this beautiful series of shots <laughs> of Charles just going, funny, funny, all oh, that hurts, ah! Um, which I, I, I love and they were really great shots and Charles actually asked afterwards if he could get that for his social media page. You know, I gave it to him and he never ran it. I don't know why, but he never ran those pictures. But I've certainly run them and I find them to be uh, a great series and certainly a series of pictures that will end up in a book that I will do and I'm thinking I'll probably do the book. I'll probably end of next year I'll have more than enough ammo to produce a a book that people would love because it's going to feature all of the the behind-the-scenes stuff. Yeah, a lot of car pictures, but more so it's going to feature that story plus all these other stories that I've accrued over the nearly three years I've been doing this. Well, speaking of content you make, your videos are gaining traction on YouTube. What's in store over the next month or so? Uh, This Friday, I've got um, a driver profile on Charles Leclerc. I've got another one in the can for Pierre Gasly. I've got uh, one on commentators, TV and radio commentators. So hopefully people will go, oh, let's see if my favourite TV presenter or radio commentator is on there. And I also fixed up another one yesterday called The Grid because I think there's a certain – Um, mystery around what goes on on the Mm. grid, who gets access, how does it work. And because I've had nearly two years of stepping out on that grid every single race, and it is a thrilling feeling, Mm. I thought, well, let's um, lay open some of the the secrets behind what goes on out there. Well, thank you very much for your time today, Kim. I don't know how to say you're welcome in Spanish, but you're welcome in Spanish. Or well, maybe you can take some time to learn that. I should. Bring it I back should. I always know that thank you and hello in every single country I go to. And oftentimes, if you just have those two, you're going to get away with it. To see any of the photos we've talked about today, head over to ProStarPics.com. You can also stay updated by following Kim on Instagram at Kim Illman or seeing his latest videos by subscribing on YouTube. If you like what you heard today, please give us a review and remember to hit subscribe to stay posted for our next episode. Thank you very much for listening and we'll see you on and off the track. F1 on and off the track was presented by ProStarPix.com. Stunning F1 photos live from the track, searchable and downloadable for personal or editorial use. ProStarPix.com. Head there now.